Welcome to In China with Michelle Zhou. Manufacturers have long known China to be a leader in their industry, but now the world is recognizing China as a business center for companies, market traders, education, and artists. It's no wonder that the economy has grown to be the world's second largest. In our program, you'll learn from the thought leaders and professionals who have lived in both the U.S. and China and continue to do business there. Now, here is your host, Michelle Zhou. Welcome, everyone. It's so great having you here today. You are listening to In China with Michelle Zhou, and I'm your host, Michelle. I'm the founder and CEO of Pacific Technologies Consulting Group. We help American and Chinese organizations learn from each other, bridge their needs, and grow their businesses internationally. You can contact me at our company website, ptcgconsulting.com. And I always welcome you to connect me on LinkedIn. Today, I invited、uh, Attorney Ian Yang back to the show with me.、Uh, he was in our show last time, and he's a legal expert on China entry strategy. Today's topic、uh, we want to really concentrate on is about how to protect your intellectual property in China. Welcome back,、uh, Ian. Hi, Michelle. It's good to be back. Would you please、uh, give us another introduction about yourself, just to let、uh, our audience refresh their mind of who you are? Sure. My name is Ian. I've been living in the Seattle area for over two years. Prior to that, I was an attorney for、uh, American companies for almost fifteen、uh, years. Most of my time was spent with、uh, American firms in Beijing, and I advised multinational companies on their China entry strategies, and also. Advise Chinese companies going abroad. Right now, I'm an of counsel with the Highways International PLLC. I'm doing the same thing that、uh, that is、uh, advising American companies going into China and also representing Chinese companies coming to the U.S. So maybe before you moved to the U.S., you were in China advising the American companies or Chinese companies. Right、uh, now, you are in Seattle in the U.S.、Uh, you continue. Helping American companies to go to China. Yes, I'm、um, moving closer to my client base. <laughs> great, welcome to Seattle.、Yep. This is a great place to live. Yes.、Mm-hmm. So, since we are talking about、uh, intellectual property, I know it's a very important topic to for technology companies, right?、Uh, in, especially in the U.S.、Mm-hmm. and the U.S.-China trade talk. A lot of the issue is around intellectual property protection. Right. So maybe we can start with the importance of IP. Why it is such a hot topic,、uh, and especially for the American companies in the tech industry. Right. I think、uh, intellectual property rights are very important to any company.、It、starts with the brand name of the company. And the brands of their products, and、uh, in the technology sector, it's more important because the, a lot of the underlying products and services of those companies are protectable under different categories of, of IP.、Um, I'll just give you one example of、uh, the importance to just to show the importance of、uh, IP protection. Remember that a few years ago, when Apple first launched its iPad products, it planned for a global launch and.、Uh, When it came to China, right before they were going to launch the the products in China, they found out that the iPad, the brand registered by a Chinese technology firm、uh, based in Shenzhen, so they had to deal with that because that company filed an injunction against Apple. 
So then Apple, if it rolled out its plan to sell the products under the trade name iPad, then it will face a tremendous amount of damages from that sentient company. So their sales plan on hold for some time and to try to deal with that uh, trademark issue. And they ended up paying, I remember, 75 million U.S. dollars to that shipping company just to get a hold of that uh, iPad trademark. If that issue were to be spotted much earlier, they probably can pay much less. And they also won't have any adverse impact on their sales plan for the iPad products. Mm -hmm. So for that case, even though Apple has registered iPad trademark in the U.S., many years before that Chinese company registered in China. Right. The problem, I think, uh, what you pointed out is Apple didn't uh, register iPad as a trademark in China. That's right. When we talk about intellectual property, it's really a broad sense. It actually has different categories, and each category has different protection thresholds and different protection mechanisms. For trademark itself, it's really a based on the different jurisdictions. Like Each country has its own registration systems because uh, like different word, a different brand has a different meaning. Uh, it can be registrable, may not be registrable in different countries. So if any company wants to launch your products globally, it has to do research into different markets and to find out the, the trademark situation in different country. That's a really quite a complicated process, especially in the global economy. Wow. Okay. Now, I think uh, it will be really helpful if you can help us uh, to look at uh, what we mean by intellectual property and uh, what are the different things under this name, right? As you mentioned, there are probably many different types of uh, IP. Right. Worldwide, we can... All the intellectual property rights can be divided into four categories. The first category would be patent, and that will be has the most enhanced protection in any, any country. And also there's a global system for patents. And if you probably heard that, uh, you know, Apple and, and Samsung and Huawei, and they all got into big patent fights, and the the damages awarded by the courts in the U.S., could, there, I think the highest one was the, the, the one between Apple and uh, Samsung, again, a few years back, there's one court judgment awarded Apple, I think, $1 billion U.S. billion as damages. That's an astronomical number. And uh, the second category would be trademarks. As I just mentioned about the iPad case, it's really have to register country by country and different look at the different categories. And the, and the third category would be copyright. Like most computer programs will be protected under copyright. And, and also most films and television programs, and those are protectable under copyright as well. So that's um, the third category. And the fourth one, in a more vague situation, is more like uh, trade secrets. So in China, there is a, a law called unfair, unfair competition law. That deals with the, the trade secrets. A perfect example would be the recipe of Coca-Cola has been a, a secret, as then the Coca-Cola has never filed a, a patent, and um, yeah, other companies will not be able to use the same uh, recipe or try to reverse engineer the the recipe. But the the process of protecting it is really around the unfair competition, and in, in the U.S. there's um, trade secrets a lot of cases around that. So generally, it can be divided into the four. Categories and getting back to the Coca-Cola case, and you know, Coca-Cola could have filed a 
patent, but the then it will be public. Yeah, public. public everybody will see what and, is included. Yeah, and also for each category, there is a, a a term for the protection, like patent. It will generally there's ten years protection, mm-hmm. and uh, trademarks uh, twenty years, and it can be renewed. Twenty years. Yes, uh-huh, and um, it can be can be can be extended, and the copyright will generally will be fifty years or seventy years, based on the whether it's an individual or the corporate to hold the copyright. Mm-hmm. Um, trade secrets can be as long as the necessary measures protecting the trade secrets are in place it can be uh, holding in secret forever <laughs> <laughs> mm. among these four categories I learned from you that trademarks is the one that you need to register in each of the country right. in order to protect it the other ones uh, are they all global or how the protection works for the others well the patents has to be registered in the uh, home jurisdiction but uh, generally the patent protection extended over cross-border. And for copyright, there's no registration requirement. Once the works are created, it's already protectable. You don't have to file any paperwork with the, any government entity. Yeah, so it's um, with the, like patent is the most, it takes the most time to apply. And, and then the protection is more robust than other forms of uh, IP. Mm-hmm. So if I am an American company, I just need to apply fire for patent in the U.S. Right. and then the protection can extend it globally right. in any places. Mm-hmm. Right. And uh, copyright, uh, I'm thinking about, uh, for example, music. Right. Right. If I'm the creator of this uh, song mm-hmm. and I'm the first one, right, right, doing that, then without uh, disclaiming to anybody, it's already mine. Right. And if other people use it without my permission, mm-hmm. then I have the right to file yeah. something. Yeah, ask them to stop use. Uh, is what we call it. Cease and desist the letter, and then the infringer will have to stop using it. Uh-huh. Yeah, it can also claim for for damages. Generally, that's the the cost of using that uh, piece of work. Mm, sounds interesting. All right. So since we are talking about China, mm-hmm. and what is the situation in China today in terms of the IP protection? Because that's a, a really major concern, especially for the tech industry, right? Because right. that's the industry I've been with for many years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, China has uh, really tried very hard to enhance the protection of uh, intellectual property rights in China. I think the Chinese government realized that uh, the IP is not just important for the um, international companies. It's also important for really building up the national champions like Huawei and uh, and other companies, in order to compete globally, those companies have to have their own IP, have their own patents, and uh, and um, yeah, and and also the 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 patent law, the trademark laws, and the copyright laws, um, all these different um, uh, statutes, uh, legislations, have been drafted and, and revised constantly. And um, to catch up with the 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 quick development of te- technologies and the economy, and uh, and also the Chinese government tried very hard to establish the, the judicial system to deal with the, the fast changing IP sector. So they've recently set up the uh, a whole new system called the IP courts. It's still part of the the court system in China, but they have a different uh, almost like a independent 
uh, system. It's just really to try to hire the uh, most sophisticated the judges and to hear the uh, all those IP related cases, and uh, they will have a fast track court hearing uh, mechanism. Yeah, and I think generally the, the the IP has been one of the core uh, issues between the U.S. and China trade talks. I think that there is a strong incentive for the Chinese government to put in place even more uh, robust uh, IP protection measures. Mm-hmm. Mm. Well, I think it's time to take a quick break.、Uh, when we come back, I would like to dig a little bit more into the details on in China how the IP protection looks like today,、mm-hmm. and、uh, maybe we also look at、uh, why it was an issue before,、right. uh, what caused that. Mm-hmm. And then,、uh, with the today's situation, what kind of strategies that、uh, companies can use to protect themselves when they are considering going to China? Sure. Are you interested in expanding your business to China, but don't know how to start? Are you wondering how to grow your sales in the China market and win over competition? Meet Michelle Zhou and her team at Pacific Technologies Consulting Group. Our consultants are U.S.-China experts and have all lived and worked in both the U.S. and China, with many years' experience in market entry strategies, management, and execution. We can help you find the right partners, develop opportunities, and grow your business in China. Please visit ptcgconsulting.com today. You are listening to In China with Michelle Zhou. To call into our program today, please call one eight six six four seven two five seven nine zero. That's one eight six six four seven two five seven nine zero. You may also send an email to info at ptcgconsulting dot com. Now back to this week's program. Welcome back. So before the break, Ian, you mentioned about、uh, the current、uh, Chinese government、uh, are putting a lot of efforts in intellectual property protection. New laws and、uh, new administrative agencies have been set up, really emphasize on IP protection. Then I would, I want to really、uh, go a little bit、uh, deeper with you to look back. Uh, why IP protection was such an issue in China? You know the, why it had such a big problem before, and especially I worked in Microsoft for、mm-hmm. many years, and I know Microsoft、uh, Windows. I think、uh, have over ninety percent of the market penetrate, but、uh, most people, especially consumers, are using Parrot、mm-hmm. Windows, right,、yeah. without paying much, and Microsoft、uh, did not get that money. Right. <laughs> So, what happened? Why was like this、uh, before? Yeah, I think、um, when we talk about China, we have to realize that China is still developing, and、um, China just opened its doors only 40 years ago,、mm-hmm. and it started economic reform about 40 years ago as well. And、uh, China's economy、uh, started booming about like 20 or 25 years ago, and、um, a lot of issues are really. Because of the economic conditions in in China,、mm-hmm. we spoke about、um, Microsoft. I remember, like in the late nineties,、uh, when I was still in college. Yeah, the computers,、uh, personal computers, is really a、uh, luxury. Yeah, very and, expensive.、Uh, yeah, and buying a、uh, Windows software, a couple of thousands. That's really not many people can afford that. And also, there's a you know consumer habit issue. You know, when there are a, a lot of.、Uh, Pirated versions or free stuff online or anywhere, it's、uh, it, people tend to buy cheaper ones. 
mm-hmm. and also for the tangible goods, uh, really just um, in China there are a lot of uh, counterfeit. It's almost like uh, there's a uh, industry producing fake LV bags, and uh, and the local governments generally try to protect the, the local industries. And without regard to uh, whether they are pro- manufacturing fake products, and right now it's still a problem. I think the Chinese government is trying to tackle, but it has its historic and economic roots in those areas. Yeah, I think. <laughs> uh, well, economic side, uh, I totally mm. get it. Uh, the consumer mindset side, I think that's the part uh, is a little bit. Uh, Difficult to change overnight, right? Because right? the economy it took forty uh, years uh, mm. from very poor country to today Chinese, yeah. especially when they come travel overseas, right. being viewed as uh, the people buying luxury goods, buying mm. brands, they can empty a shop <laughs> very quickly, right? Right, especially yeah. the luxury ones. Uh-huh. That's the image being left yeah. through all these uh, many tourists, uh, Chinese tourist uh, mm. behaviors overseas. On the consumer mindset side, I think, uh, as you mentioned, uh, for some goods, I think especially intangible goods, mm-hmm. talking about the copyrights, mm-hmm. right, yes. software or books, uh, film, music, uh, those kind of things. It's my own mm-hmm. opinion. People think, uh, well, those are the things they do not uh, touch it, see it, uh, the physical mm-hmm. products, uh, and they do not uh, think there's a lot of efforts uh, or money uh, spent at the back to produce mm-hmm. those things. I think that's just uh, comparing to a piece of uh, like uh, equipment or clothes right. or you know tangible physical stuff, right? So people see, well, there's not much uh, cost <laughs> associated yeah. with it. Well, that's a uh, that's a good point, and also I guess not just the intangible goods, even tangible like um, medicine. Mm-hmm. Uh, there last year there was a blockbuster on a, in the Chinese film market called a. Dying to Survive, Oh, I saw that uh, yeah, movie it, it, when it, I was uh, on the airplane flight. <laughs> yeah, it brought in a few billion RMB in, gro- in box office re- proceeds. And uh, it was talked about really, uh, you know, some of the patients are trying to get around the really high-priced medicines from the U.S. or European pharmaceutical companies. And, um, yeah, this is really, I think that there's a general public sentiment about the, the high price of the, uh, you know, it's a small box of pills and uh, costs few, uh, costs thousands of thousands of RMB. That's, uh, people don't really get it, why it costs so much. They don't really dig into the cost of developing and, and researching um, into those products. And, yeah. yeah, and, and uh, the other side, this movie, yes. yeah, why it generated so much discussion and among the Chinese mm. people. I think one of the thing is uh, the movie kind of gave me an impression that uh, there are many people depending on that drug, mm. that type of drug, to survive. Right. That's why the name in. English is mm-hmm. translated to dying to, to survive, survive mm-hmm. right? They really depend on that drug to survive. Right. However, because it's so expensive and the people cannot afford, mm-hmm. you know, they even sell their house, everything, right. right? They cannot afford to have it, so they are dying. Mm-hmm. That's why the person who started uh, by doing that, uh, you mm-hmm. know, g- get that drug from India. Yeah, in, the in, be- yeah, in the beginning, he was trying to make money 
right. through that. Then later, he decided not to do it anymore because it's illegal and it's mm-hmm. dangerous. Right. <laughs> later, risk. people come to him, ask uh, him uh, to do it uh, to, to save to lives. Yeah. So he continued. Mm. <laughs> yeah, and he was like uh, just selling at the cost that he acquired <laughs> right. the drug. Yeah, I remember at the end of the movie, it says that um, the Chinese government finally decided to take that drug into the uh, insurance. Insurance. Yeah. That solved the problem and also strike the balance between the the high R and D cost versus the market demand. So that's a actually that's a perfect example of how the government can play a role in justifying the the protection of IP versus the public demand for certain products. And I think Chinese government is, is doing a lot of uh, things on different fronts. That just one, maybe just one example. People that much attention to the end credit to the Chinese government. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the Chinese government is playing a really major role in terms of changing the IP protection situation in China. Right. Mm-hmm. And we see it's really going to the right direction, uh, getting much better than before. Definitely, I think this. Uh, I mentioned about the, the setting up of the IP course, and also these, uh, the most recent revision to both the patent law and trademark laws and copyright laws as well as to really to increase the amount of damages that could be awarded to the plaintiffs. So mm-hmm. that's a, a big step. And also there are different ways to protect uh, your intellectual properties in China. There is civil litigation process you can go if you have an identifiable defendant. And you can also go hand in hand with the Chinese administration um, bodies try to crack down counterfeits on the on the market, and also even if you find some individuals there can be held liable. There's criminal charges that can be brought against those individuals try to stop them from the root. Yeah, there's really a lot of things that can be done in China when it comes to uh, IP protection. Mm-hmm. So Ian, can you give us an example to demonstrate the changes in China from the previous situation mm-hmm. to today? How it looks like in terms of IP protection? Sure. I think one obvious change is that、um, if you look up online, want to search a、um, recent released American films. Online in China,、uh, you will find it's more difficult to find、uh, any source. I think it demonstrates how how far that the, the Chinese government has gone so far. And、uh, you mean previously we can download,、uh, watch、uh, those、uh, movies or、uh, yeah, things for free, right? Right. Now it's hard to get right. Any like five one. five or ten years ago, if you want to watch the most most recently released American films, you basically you can buy do it, and then you can find a lot of. Links and you can watch it online and、um, and some of the the major online streaming websites they don't take that copyright issues very seriously either. Right now it's very serious and most of those sites are owned by the companies that are public offshore. Some I think most of them are、uh, actually、uh, listed on the、uh, Nasdaq. So it's、um, it's very. It'll be very rare to see the copyrighted films on the, on, on their websites, and、um, those websites are taking preemptive actions to screen off any copyrighted films, TV programs. 
that's really when the apparent changes has taken place. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember many years ago, people wanted to watch the Hollywood movies, the latest mm-hmm. ones. Once it's uh, released uh, in the U.S., then in China very soon, it's everywhere with DVDs and uh, right. subtitles <laughs> in Chinese, right? right? You can get it everywhere. These days, you don't see those kind of DVDs, uh, you know, that you can pay a small amount to get. Right. Yeah. So how do people today in China get uh, access to watch the latest uh, released uh, movies from the U.S., for example? I think for some blockbusters, the, um, the Chinese streaming website that they have deals with the studios in Hollywood, they would just have to they would just uh, bring those uh, films online yeah according to, to their release schedule and actually there are more and more Chinese investment in those judo um, made films yeah so some of the films even they get early released in China mm-hmm. to get a bigger share uh, in the Chinese film market mm-hmm. and from consumer side uh, people now many of them have a habit to pay to view Yes. Versus before, just trying to get free ones. Mm-hmm. That's right. That's mm-hmm. right. Yeah, the, the, the online consumer habit has, has changed dramatically. Yeah, people are more willing to pay premium to watch the latest films or to have the membership to be able to follow their, the TV dramas online. Mm-hmm. And the government also had a, a lot of policies as well as executions on those people who produce those pirate uh, DVDs. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think uh, kind of a clean up uh, this market. Yes, definitely. It's much better than a few years ago. Mm-hmm. All right. I think it's time to take another quick break. And when we come back, I would like to get some advice from you for American companies on how they can consider IP protections before they go to China. Sure. China is now the second largest economy in the world. There are hundreds of opportunities for worldwide business professionals to start looking in China. From business leaders to manufacturers to artists and students, you need to discover these opportunities to grow your business and your career. Listen every week for In China with Michelle Zhou, Thursdays at 4 p.m. Pacific Time and 7 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. For business sake, you need to tune in. You are listening to In China with Michelle Zhou. To call into our program today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to info at ptcgconsulting.com. Now, back to this week's program. All right, we're back. So I think the last part of this conversation, I I really want to focus on some advice for American companies that are thinking about going to China. Ian, could you please help us to lay out a strategy Mm -hmm. if a company in the U.S., and especially if a tech company, Mm -hmm. wants to go to China? What are the aspects of IP protection they should consider, and how should they start? Right. I think the first step they will have to take is really to evaluate uh, what marks they wanted to register in China, because the trademarks are really the key component of their brand recognition. 
and also they will have to look at, at their uh, employment agreements and make sure that uh, when they go into China, they will have the similar confidentiality and uh, IP protection mechanisms for their China employees and also the Chinese agents or subcontractors so that they will have um, sufficient protection of any treated secrets or technology know-how. And in terms of uh, patents, if they already have existing patents, they might want to review those and uh, put in place the intercompany agreements. So their Chinese subsidiaries will have the uh, necessary observations from the U.S. parent company and also to start to have a footprint in China uh, in terms of their patent protection. And also another important aspect is when they negotiate or enter into any business discussion with their partners in China, it's important to have a non-disclosure agreement put in place. Mm -hmm. It can be both ways, protecting each party's confidentiality information and also their technologies. So that would be a first step. Okay. Well, sounds like uh, there's many aspects uh, we need to consider when we are looking into the market entry strategies uh, to China. Do you have a good example of some companies have done a good job uh, and what have they done specifically? Yeah, I'll just uh, mention one specific example uh, where one of my clients, an American-based company, when they started considering going to China last year, they realized that it's important to protect their brand. So they started to thinking about uh, registering their marks in China. I thought it was very wise. And also I picked their brain a little bit. And uh, they were initially thinking just to register their marks in their core business, that's sort of like a financial services category. And I told them like, in China, you will be doing a lot of uh, promotion and business development activities, and um, it may be a good idea to expand your trademark protection outside of your core business because um, when the brand becomes more known in China, then the protection in, in the one category may not be sufficient. Mm-hmm. You wanted to cover uh, some of the ancillary categories as well so that your the protection or the trademarks is protected in all those related categories as well. Mm-hmm. So the yeah they took that advice and uh, decided to yeah register in more categories than they initially planned. I think that's a good strategy. You don't want to build your brand in China in just one and have the marks registered in one category and then realize that yeah there are other companies taking advantage of your brand and registered in other categories, mm-hmm. which you might want to enter into in a few years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so trademark is one of the things to consider. And I think uh, for tech companies, my core competency is the technology, mm. right? That's uh, what we developed, and that's uh, something maybe we file patent in the U.S. Then in China, you know, I still concern about, well, what if other companies uh, uh, copy my stuff, right? Mm. They just uh, take it. So what can I do? Well, I mentioned earlier that you want to have the non-disclosure agreements put in place with um, if you are discussing any business cooperation with any partner or agent, and and also you just have to have the sufficient security mechanism in place, and also have the key employees or the key staff of your company in China who have access to the the core products to make sure that they are under confidentiality and non-compete restrictions so they won't 
leave the company and join your competitor or potential competitor and developing um, the competing products. And also in terms of um, the copyright protection, you can also consider filing a copyright registration with the China Copyright Center just to give you more convenience when it comes to the point where you are, you have to file a lawsuit against your competitors. Then the filing with the China Copyright Center will provide the, the evidence that you have, you do own those copyrights. And that uh, will save some time and, and, uh, and efforts later on. Mm-hmm. Okay. Sounds like um, the companies need first to talk to a lawyer before yes. they really take actions uh, to get into China. Yes, and that's think, always advisable. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's great. If people are interested in talking to you, how can they find you? People can find me on, on LinkedIn uh, by searching Yanhui Yang. That's I-A-N-Y-A-N-H-U-I. Y-A-N-G. You can also send me an email at ian.yang at highwayslaw.com. Thank you. Great. Thanks so much, Ian. I really appreciate your knowledge sharing here. And I also want to thank our audience for being here with us. We have talked about how to protect your intellectual property when you are considering going to China. I think, as Ian mentioned, you can connect him on LinkedIn or through email. You are listening to In China with Michelle Zhou. I look forward to talk to you again in the future. Thank you for tuning in to In China with Michelle Zhou. Please join us for another edition next Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time and 4 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. We'll talk again next week. 